All right. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Um, tonight, uh, we'll, we're going to finish our discussion from last week, just briefly, and then we'll move into this week's topic, which is sacrifice. All right. Let's start with a prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for this opportunity to come together again in the middle of the week and for every opportunity to come together as a family. Uh, We know from Scripture that when Jesus' own blood kin came to see him, uh, he told them that his family were his disciples. And we hope, Father, that you'll find us faithful followers of Jesus. We hope that you'll find in our hearts, Father, a very strong desire to know you and to know him and to walk in a manner that is pleasing to you, walking in his footsteps. We're thankful for the opportunities we have to study your word and and Jesus and the lessons that he taught that were taught even after uh, his death, burial, and resurrection. And Father, we know he was taken up and placed at your right hand, but the lessons from his life were taught in the New Testament even after that, during that uh, the period of that first church. And we're... We're thankful, Father, that we have these writings. We're thankful that we can look into them and look for ourselves, Father, in our, our own lives as we, we strive to live as he did. And in these lessons, Father, with our, our goal to be more like him, to be more Christ-like and more godly, we pray that you'll bless us in this endeavor and strengthen us, Father, with the remembrance to commit these lessons to our hearts that they might be with us always we're thankful for our teachers down the hall father as they work with our young folks that they strengthen them in the lord that um, that when they were older they will not depart from your way and father bless each one of us here tonight as we study together and bless our fellowship before and after Uh, thank you for this church and this family and the love we have for one another and thank you for all the blessings that come to us through christ and it's in his name we pray amen okay looking around and i remember there were two hands up when the bell rang and i said we got to wrap this up one of them was maury is maury two minutes no? Okay. That's right. Then you can answer for more, but that's fine. And so uh, there were two hands up. Who else had their hand up? And I, Well, I'm about to remind you. So I think the question we were on, and not just you, but anybody that wants to answer. We had that, uh, that moment last week when Tracy was brave enough to answer, I think, the first question that I asked. And I was like, thank goodness, because nobody was answering, and I thought I was going to have to answer it myself. And so she answered. 
And I was like, oh, thank you for answering it. I thought nobody was going to answer the question. And then when she finished answering the question, uh, I think I acknowledged, because it's important for a teacher to acknowledge that, you know, uh, somebody gave an answer in class. And then I said something about, uh, well, there wasn't much interest in that question. I meant in the, the question because nobody else raised their hands. <laughs> and it may have sounded for a moment like I was saying that there was no interest in Tracy's answer to the question. Yeah, and <laughs> that's not what I said. So, But if, if that ever happens, I will tell you. But I, don't, I can't see that happening during one of our classes here. So, <laughs> Could you imagine? I don't think anyone's interested in... Your answer, okay. Now, I won't do that to you. So if it ever sounds like I said something like that, you know, just say, just think, you know, he's a good guy. He wouldn't say something like that, or he's having a reaction to some medication or something. That's possible. I'm on like a hundred different things, so, you know, that's possible. So So the question was, uh, and and remember our topic last week was uh, self-control, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. when you fail to resist a temptation, when you give in to it, that's how we say it, right? When you fail to resist a temptation, what is the usual reason for that failure? Using some strong language here, failure. But that's what it is, right? Last week we had talked about uh, our brother Art Smith, not Walt Smith, but Art and how he had taught that lesson many years ago that I heard where he said that the two things necessary to be present before sin will occur is weakness and opportunity. And we had talked about how the opportunity is always there. It's always There's always opportunity because you can sin all by yourself uh, in a vacuum, you know, with no one else around or nothing to look at. Or I mean, you can just, you can do it in your mind, right? But weakness is the thing that that we have control over, right? Um, and, and the conclusion of that is um, be strong. Right, and uh, that means you got to do the things that are necessary to make yourself strong. So this requires work on my part. Bible makes that very clear. There's work involved, right? Faith without works is dead, and so we got to do that work. And and you know, for a lot of us, it's a matter of time management. You know, you look at how you have your your life arranged. Uh, we're given 24 hours a day, right? We we like to rest for about eight hours. Uh, I'm down to six, maybe. So that's good. It gives me more time for the other things while I'm awake. But uh, we, we have plenty of time. God has given us plenty of time to do the work um, necessary to be strong, right? So, so that's on us. Uh, be strong and pray for strength, and God will supply you with strength. Um, but the strength that comes uh, from, from knowing God. And so the question was, when you fail to resist a temptation, what is the usual reason for your failure for that failure. You know, one of the things we have to think about. We're going to get you a microphone so the folks at home can hear you. Yeah. Be right there. Yeah, I'll get that. Okay. Oh, I know, but uh, so I was listening to the lesson again the other night, and uh, when somebody talks without the microphone, you just you see the guy standing up there going, and that's it. So, are you not figuring it out? We're going to get this figured out. We need a teenager. teenager. All right, there you go. 
Yeah, they're all pretty high tech. Okay. I'm just going to say one of the things that we need to remember is temptations are very appealing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a temptation. So that's one of the things that makes them very hard to resist. Not all temptations have the same appeal to everybody. That's why Satan's good at making lots of them. Yeah. And then uh, back to Tracy behind you there. when you, And then I'll come get it. I was going to say something similar, but just to, just to tag off that one, we got to look at what the appeal is. Like, where does it root from? Because, you know, and for me, anytime I resist, I don't resist a temptation, it's just out of pure selfishness. It's because I, I want that thing. Mm-hmm. So I can say, well, it's appealing to me, but the truth is it's, I'm selfish. And I think it's important we say what it is so that yeah. we can feel it and fix it. That's good. And it's good for us to practice that, uh, you know, self-disclosure. Uh, talk about those things about ourselves. There's more accountability that way. And I like uh, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, where it tells us, there hath no tempt. I'm, this is from the King James. Uh, there hath no temptation overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But uh, God will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, because He's faithful. But He won't allow us to be tempted above what we were able, so that we may be able to bear up under it to resist that temptation. Right? Um, and that's First Corinthians ten thirteen. Um, so, you know, you think about the, the first century church uh, and under emperors like Nero where you could be killed for being a Christian or you, you were killed for being a Christian so they had to go into catacombs and hide and worship and things like that. Um, so their way to escape, because 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us that God always provides a way to escape, their way to escape was death. Because the temptation was, don't worship God. Stop worshiping your God. And their way to escape was death, and they often took it. And uh, we face uh, a lot of temptations today. Um, maybe some different than what they did back then. Maybe not so much. I don't know. Uh, but our way to escape usually isn't death. Right? So we've got that going for us. Uh, and it's something to think about. All right. And was there anyone else? Uh, when you fail to resist a temptation, what is the usual reason for that failure? Okay. And I'll tell you my answer. Uh, I forget briefly. I just forget, you know. And uh, maybe it's anger that causes me to do that. Uh, but when I'm caught off guard... Uh, when when I when I feel like I'm under attack, uh, then I might begin to react. Not, now the difference between react and respond, right? Uh, responding is 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 more of a responsible uh, way to deal with things. Uh, but but when you just allow yourself to react, and and I'm using very deliberate language here, you allow yourself to react. Oftentimes that reaction will be inappropriate. But at least I've gotten to the point where when I do forget, when, when I feel like I'm under attack, 
or when when uh, when I'm caught off guard and I forget very briefly, um, I, I remember very quickly uh, and I catch myself, you know. Um, and uh, uh, then you just apologize and then start to behave. <laughs> That's the best thing you can do. And I don't know if anger ever uh, gets a hold of any of you like that or if you're ever caught off guard that way and you may briefly forget who you are and who you belong to and what, what you put in your heart to uh, keep you from sinning against God, but then, then you remember. And this takes us back to uh, John chapter 14, right? John chapter 14 and verse 15 where Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then you keep reading there and he goes on and he tells them that he's going to give them a comforter to remind them of all things, right? And we have that Holy Spirit. We read on Sunday uh, during our focus that that Holy Spirit is what unites us. Uh, it, we're all, uh, we're, we all partake of the same Spirit, the one Holy Spirit which is God and which is Jesus, the the Godhead, the, that Holy Spirit is in all of us. It's what binds us. It's, it's uh, what binds us together and unites us. So, okay, so I'm going to go on and move on into the next lesson. Good, James isn't here, so if we go over this time, I'll blame you guys. I'll be like, they just kept talking. So, All right, and then I'll remember, then I'll remember, okay? All right. So, sacrifice. Um, we're talking about sacrifice tonight, and we have come to the second to the, the second to last spiritual discipline, the ten disciplines we're studying, uh, that will help create in us a godly and Christ-like character. Um, and so, uh, these are the author's words, to help create in us, and this doesn't mean that you, you didn't, don't already have that, right? Because uh, this is a class for mature Christians, it says on the cover of the book, and that's what we have here, I believe, as I look around, do my audience analysis. Uh, so uh, we're not working from the ground up here. We're working on building upon what God has already put in us uh, here. So we're strengthening what we already have. Um, so uh, there's no other spiritual discipline more closely associated with the character and mission of Jesus than the discipline of sacrifice. And uh, Philippians 3.10, um, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. We have a song about that, don't we? The young people sing it. Does anybody know that song? Nobody? Well, it's a song... Uh, Basically, after Philippians 3.10, and I don't know what version, maybe the NIV or something, they got the words from the song, but, but it goes, and, and please join me if you know and were just afraid to raise your hand, right? I want to know Christ and the power of His rising, join in His suffering, conform to His death, when I pour out my life to be filled with His Spirit, joy follows suffering. Life follows death. Thank you, guys. I saw a couple of people singing. So, see, you don't you don't come into church and do a solo, right? We don't do that. So, uh, even in class on Wednesday night. So, I did have a couple of people singing, or I would have stopped and just left abruptly. So, <clears throat> so good. Thank you for singing with me. Um, <laughs> uh, if a person wants to become more like Jesus, 
they must practice the discipline of sacrifice because this is what his life was about. No sacrifice, no resemblance to Christ. So what is sacrifice? Um, so just some examples that I threw up on a slide. Uh, first responders doing what they do every day. All right. So that's, I think that's a good example. Uh, putting their lives on the line for the rest of us. Think about the, the ones who ran into the, the Twin Towers to help others. Those teachers down the hall teaching our kids. Uh, and I'll go ahead and throw out a question for you. Uh, where'd the microphone go? Oh, thank you, Alex. You got it back there. I was like, I lost that microphone. That's going to cost me a fortune. <clears throat> so um, those teachers down the hall teaching our kids, what are, what are the sacrifices involved there? Or are there any? And, okay. Yeah, so Tracy said uh, the, the time they put into preparing the lessons, right? Um, and I uh, think most of our teachers have their own family and kids at home, right? So, you know, they could say, well, this is time I'm going to spend with my family. It's a beautiful, sunny week, so I'm going to just spend all my time outside. Uh, let somebody else teach the class, you know. Uh, somebody will do it. Uh, I, I remember the song uh, back in the in the 90s, maybe it was the late 80s, off of one of these acapella albums where they said, everybody said that anybody could do the important things somebody should do, right? You remember that? And that's uh, that was been around for a long time, so. The sacrifices that a parent makes for their children. Uh, Mike Shiro, in one of his sermons one time, uh, gave an example of an earthquake down in uh, Haiti or one of those islands, uh, and, uh, and trapped in the rubble was a mother with her child. And before the rescuers came, the mom had, had cut all of her fingers, and the child was, was living off the nourishment of mom's blood. You remember hearing that? Yeah. No? Okay. Well, yeah, it was in one of the lessons. Uh, so... There's an example of sacrifice, and she couldn't reach the, she couldn't get to the child, but she could reach her hand through the rubble where the child could get to her fingers, you know. So, uh, but you know, that's kind of extreme, but the sacrifices that parents make for their children, um, and they're with us, each of them, with us for at least 17, 18 years, right? Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice there, but of course that's all voluntary. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's all voluntary, but you know what I mean. So, overcoming our fear and reluctance of sharing the gospel. Uh, that that would involve sacrifice uh, for all of us uh, who are willing to to do that. Uh, to, to bring ourselves out of our comfort zone and, and to move ourselves to the point where we say, somebody shared the gospel with me. I know how to be saved. How hard can it be to tell my friend, my neighbor, or family member uh, so that they can be saved too, sharing the good news of the gospel? All right. Uh, so a couple of examples the author listed here were giving up a kidney to save a loved one uh, or uh, a young man who gave up part of his liver to save his mother, you know. Um, and in... Uh, these examples in any kind of sacrifice, you'll notice several things. The sacrifice is an action or an attitude that violates our basic urge of self-preservation, um, because that's that's kind of uh, kind of the nature. You know, uh, 
is uh, self-preservation. So these other behaviors are are learned behaviors. Um, Self-preservation is prompted by our human nature. However, sacrifice is prompted by our spiritual nature. Uh, And it's that that argument we looked at a couple weeks ago, uh, Romans chapter 7 versus Romans chapter 8, right? Uh, As Christians seeking godliness, or in our case, pursuing godliness, we are continually called upon to not only make sacrifices, uh, that is the best that human human nature can aspire to, Uh, making sacrifices. However, as Christians, we are called upon to go beyond simply making sacrifices, but to become living sacrifices. There in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, right? Where it says, uh, uh, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then in 1 John 3.16... So everybody knows John 3.16, I think. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So just put a first in front of that. And then you got 1 John 3.16, which uh, tells us, By this we know love. And we want to know love, right? Because He laid down His life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, it says there. Um, So, and we've talked about this before even recently, how do we lay down our lives for the brethren? It's talking specifically about uh, your fellow members of the church, your brothers and sisters. Uh, Well, you you serve them. You look for opportunities to serve them, and and when when they're in need or in pain, you you flock around them and you comfort them, right? Uh, And we remember from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where we're told that, you know, we're given some purpose for suffering there. It says that uh, God comforts us when we suffer so that we can comfort others when they suffer. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I'm sorry. I think I said 1 Corinthians. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 and 4. It gives purpose to our suffering. And so here we're told Jesus laid down his life for us, and what's our response to that? We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Um, you look at what's going on in the family, uh, and there's always an example right around the corner, like this big clothing drive on Saturday. It's like, okay, got this clothing drive coming up, and they need lots of help, and it's a great uh, opportunity to uh, to maybe even evangelize and to let the 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 people in the community see our church and see us and 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 uh, maybe uh, develop an interest uh, that we can follow up on and get to know some folks in the neighborhood. Uh, they'd be coming right to us. We don't have to we don't have to go door knocking or go go find them right. And and I I do that when we do it, but I'm always afraid of dogs. You know, I'm always afraid somebody's dog is going to get me. Uh, but I still do it right. Um, but so this is how we lay down our lives for the brethren. We find out what's going on and we chip in and we, we help out, right? Uh, that's just one of the ways. There are many others, okay? And then uh, 1 Peter four twelve through 19. First Peter 4, 12 through 19. 
Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. And uh, we read this on Sunday also, I think, during the focus. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, uh, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So I'm going to back up a second, because, you know, you got the worldly thinking, and then you got the spiritual Christian thinking, right? Worldly thinking, this just, it don't make no sense. But rejoice, it says, um, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. So to the extent that we are, we have opportunities to suffer for the name of Christ, rejoice in that. Right? But on the spiritual side, you know, we get it. Because we've read Acts. We know that they were beaten and they rejoiced over that. It's like, what? Yeah, that's right. Verse 14 says, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, it says. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Okay? And so, uh, a few weeks ago, I had mentioned, uh, uh, I can't remember if I was up here or out there, but I, I mentioned the difference between Suffering for Christ, like it's talking about here, suffering for the name of Christ, suffering for your Christian values, suffering for doing the things that God expects us to do that are in opposition to the world's thinking, and just suffering, just general suffering that everyone uh, uh, experiences, even those of the world who don't know the Lord uh, and who don't don't have that spiritual aspect. Um, and so there's a difference there. And it goes on to say, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. That's interesting how they, how, how the, the Holy Spirit inspired Peter here to throw busybody in with murderer, thief, and evildoer. But he did. Something to think about, right? Hmm. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, see, he's delineating here. There's a difference in the types of suffering. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. All right? So we don't curl up in a ball and circle the wagons and have a pity party. Right? Rejoice if you've lost a job because you refuse to to advocate what the world is forcing down your throat. And we've been talking about that a lot too, right? Um, there are a lot of jobs now where if you don't, uh, and it's, it's, it's gone beyond acceptance. Uh, acceptance isn't acceptable anymore. That's not enough. You have to promote and advocate these sinful things that God is opposed to. God abhors sin. What God abhors, we must abhor also and be opposed to that just like he is and that can be difficult but when you suffer for doing that for having the courage to do that rejoice that's what he's saying right cultivating the discipline of sacrifice cultivating is a farming term right cultivating like you're plowing the field you're fertilizing you're you're nurturing the crop so uh, we understand what cultivation means so we're going to cultivate the discipline of sacrifice in ourselves and in one another, iron sharpens iron, right? So we help each other too. Um, 
To cultivate the discipline of sacrifice, we have to practice it in three areas of our lives. And the first one is personal sacrifice. Personal sacrifice begins with a choice. Who will we trust to meet our needs? We naturally serve. We're going to serve the one we trust. Right? For the Christian, the choice always comes down to trusting God or trusting self, someone or something else. The idea is that we sacrifice or give up trust in wealth, even our own, in order to trust only in God. We sacrifice confidence in human systems like personal abilities, government, etc. We still use these because we are in and part of the world, but our trust is not in these things. You see, in the area of personal sacrifice, we practice giving up the natural human urge to protect, preserve, and promote ourselves by ourselves and turn over that responsibility to God. For example, allowing God rather than ourselves to secure justice or vengeance for an offense against us personally. Uh, and you guys know that I like Proverbs 19.11. Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Right? Overlook a transgression. That's powerful. So you think about it, when, when do you choose to do that? And when do you choose to not do that? And then what's the difference there? Um, I'm, I'm pretty quick to overcome the, the normal transgressions that come in a marriage when my wife and I squabble. I know that you're in shock right now to hear that we may do that on occasion, right? But occasionally we'll, we'll argue a little bit, right? And, uh, and, there may be some offenses with that, uh, but I am very quick to overcome those trespasses. Um, and I should afford the same consideration to you, my brothers and sisters, that I would to her. Imagine what our relationship might look like if I didn't. And then you'll better understand why a lot of the relationships between Christians and the church look like they do. Make sense? Okay. So... My objective, remember, uh, when, when, uh, when, they, when they came to see Jesus, uh, his, his blood kinfolks came to see him, and he said, these disciples of mine are, are my family, my mother and my brother and my family, right? Uh, and it's like, wow, how do you wrap your mind around that? Because, guys, I love my kinfolks so much. I mean, you talk about protective. Uh, I've been accused of being a little bit overboard with that, Right? I need to feel the same way about all of you, right? And uh, because uh, you, the faithful, his disciples, are his family, like me. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that, but I think I've made progress. I think I have. All right. Uh, this is why we forgive and pray for our enemies because God's justice will be perfect and his punishment will be appropriate. 
His, not ours. When it comes to our enemies, let God's will be done, not ours. Okay, Ephesians 4 and the last few verses there and the first couple of verses of 5 and 2. It was I always say it was a bad place for a chapter and verse division put there by man. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 through 5, 2 says, and see, we use things like this where the scriptures tell us, uh, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith, right? And so we use passages like this, all the passages, but here we go. In Ephesians 4, 31 through 5, 2, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And remember, malice is the intent to do harm to another. And it can be any kind of harm. Uh, harm to their reputation, harm to their physical or spiritual, right? And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So it talks about forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I consider myself to have been forgiven by God in Christ, right? Water grave of baptism, came into contact with the blood of Christ that cleansed me. And then as I continue to walk in the light throughout the rest of my life as a faithful Christian, when I slip up and repent, that blood that I came into contact with in that watery grave continues to cleanse me as I repent and turn from evil and do what is good. And that's how it works. Therefore, and, and then he goes on to say right after that, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. And listen to this part. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So here he's making a comparison. He's not just saying that Christ did this, that, that Jesus, him, uh, uh, that Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. He's telling us to imitate that. Be imitators of God and do this, right? Give yourself. As an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And then in Colossians 3 and verse uh, 12 through 14. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another... And forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Again, uh, more talk of perfection. Like Luke 6.36 and Matthew 5.48. Uh, Luke 6.36 where it says, Be merciful as God is merciful. And in Matthew 5.48 where uh, it says, Be ye therefore perfect as God is perfect. So mercy and forgiveness here and here are being equated with perfection. Something to think about. And then relational sacrifice. 
as we cultivate the discipline of sacrifice, relational sacrifice in Genesis chapter 22 and uh, 2 through 12. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. It's interesting that uh, this is one of the examples in Scripture that show us that worship uh, can be designated, worship is designated to a specific place and time. Uh, and uh, uh, for us... Uh, we no longer worship on the mountain, right? John chapter uh, 6, uh, where he's talking to the woman at the well. But we seek to worship him in spirit and in truth. That's, that's our place of worship, not, not necessarily this building. We just have it, and we choose to come together here, right? And we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there in a place and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. <clears throat> Abraham offered Isaac. Isaac trusted Abraham, and Abraham trusted God. God may not ask us to give up our children in sacrifice, but there are times when we need to give them up to God. We sometimes have to sacrifice their well-being to God. At other times, we may be asked to leave a comfortable place or situation in order to answer a call to service somewhere else. A relational sacrifice is the willingness to give up relationships that are either broken by sin, like in the case of the prodigal son, or that are harmful, uh, for example, bad influences, and give them up to God for His purpose. The natural human urge is to hold on and try to fix things by ourselves. Spiritual growth, however, requires that we make a relational sacrifice at times for healing to begin or even be possible. And so, to kind of summarize that, we talk about personal sacrifice, giving up the urge to preserve and promote self, and trusting God to care for us and set us down where He wants us to be. 
Have you heard, grow where you're planted? It's like, man, uh, someday I'm going to become a missionary. I'm going to go such and such place across the globe, and I'm going to serve God and so forth and so on. No. Grow where you're planted, right? Serve where you're planted. You're here. You don't, you don't need any plans for that. You just, you just jump in and do it, right? You find the busiest person around, and you say, how can I help? And then relational sacrifice we talked about. Giving up the constant impulse to grow, to, I'm sorry, to control or fix relationships according to our standards instead of trusting God's way and His standards. And then finally, material sacrifice. Not sure how far we're going to get. Um, This type of sacrifice involves generosity clearly expressed in the giving up of material things personal advantages and comforts for the good of others. For example, Jesus gave up heaven to suffer on the cross in order to save us. Uh, John chapter 6 and verse 33 talks about how the bread of life came down from heaven. Our greatest fear when it comes to material sacrifice is that we will not have enough left for ourselves. We fear that sacrifice will make us poor, vulnerable, or uncomfortable. However, who or what are the true obstacles in this material sacrifice? Satan is an obstacle, and we talked about that at the beginning of class, right? He's prowling about like a roaring lion looking for some soul to steal. And there's plenty of evidence throughout Scripture that he's not omnipresent like God. He's not everywhere all at once, right? Uh, So... Anytime that I talk about the temptations of Satan, I want to say, be careful what you try to blame on Satan, because we are free moral agents, are we not? Remember, be strong. Be strong, right? Uh, How many times has a cop gone into a domestic and seen where a a guy, some brute, has slapped his wife around and then said the devil made him do it? Blame these things on Satan, the things that, that we decide to do wrong, okay? We're free moral agents. Uh, we, we're involved. Maybe, maybe he was in Japan or somewhere when you did that. How are you going to blame him? Right? And he might not be everywhere at once, but uh, he will be pleased when you choose to do wrong. When you choose to oppose God, I'm sure he's just tickled and, and finds great joy in that to the extent that that's possible. Um, and so Satan will make you procrastinate using these fears and temptation of selfishness, being selfish. And then another uh, obstacle is people. <clears throat> um, people uh, who will accuse you of being unreasonable or too zealous, usually because sacrificial giving exposes their own lack of generosity, love, and faith. Right? You've seen it before. If I can make you look bad, then maybe I look better, you know, kind of thing. It usually happens at work or somewhere. Uh, They belittle other people, point out other people's faults, try to make them look bad. You know, a true leader's uh, objective is to make everyone, to promote everyone around them, to make, do his best to make everyone around them succeed and to do well. And in your own mind and flesh, and this is back to the argument uh, from uh, Romans chapter 7 versus Romans chapter 8, right? 
Your own mind and flesh are naturally disposed to preserve and maintain the status quo and not give sacrificially. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 and 32 says, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And He takes care of us. Alright, and so I'll pick up there. Um, You guys can remind me where we were at. And then we'll talk about these questions at the beginning of next class. And uh, I don't know, maybe we're going to go into extra innings at the end of this thing. So thank you for your attention.